raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. This is another box. Goodness gracious. <laughs> It's Wes. Oh, it's multiple. We got little soccer balls. We got rugby balls. We got the basketball. And Walker. These guys are happy stuffed balls is what they are. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Good Lord. Uh, That's going to be a drop. We have. One more hour to go this Friday on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Just went over the Shrop props for this game between the Panthers and the Colts. And we've got some Frank Reich comments rolling in just about an hour ago. Here's Frank Reich talking about his number one overall pick on Bryce Young. Quote, when we walk onto the field with a game-winning drive opportunity and we get number nine in the huddle, we want everyone on our sideline, everyone in the stadium to feel like this is going to go our way because he's our quarterback. Frank Reich has done nothing but publicly praise what Bryce Young has done as a rookie. Thomas Brown has done the same thing. I remember a couple weeks back when the offensive coordinator was asked, do you feel comfortable when... You are down in a certain scenario, and Bryce Young is leading the charge. He said, yeah, I feel comfortable with that QB in any scenario that we have. We've seen this with Frank Reich a lot, too, not only talking about his praise for Bryce Young, but also other players like Brian Burns. Despite him being in trade rumors constantly, despite the contract negotiation going on back and forth, Frank Reich, after the trade deadline passed, said, I'm very, very, very happy that Brian Burns is on this team. And that's exactly what he was talking about at the beginning of the season. All he did was discuss how good of a player Burns was, how much of a warrior he is, a leader in the locker room too. And Wes, you love hearing it. Even if the players would vocally tell you that they liked Matt Rule and what he brought to the locker room, after he left, you started to hear the opposite. So maybe we're being naive in hearing these players take up for Frank Reich, say he's a genuine cat. That's what Brian Burns was saying about his head coach, how much they think he's even keel. He's not too high, not too low. I think Brian Burns even said he's a perfect mix of Ron Rivera and Matt Rule and what each of those guys brought to the table. So when you hear comments like that, when you hear Frank Reich go to bat for his players constantly, not just... Oh, no, he's a good player, and then you move on. But really dig his heels into, no, we love Brian Burns. We love Bryce Young. How much does that matter to a player that he's coaching for? No doubt. It means a whole lot. And when he has the respect of the locker room, that means that guys, not to say that they're going to be insubordinate, not go out and do their jobs, but that just means it makes the work environment all the more better. You believe more in what the the mission is. You believe that the mission can be a accomplished because when you have a coach in there that you don't believe in, you come in dismissive. You come in, I mean, just to relate from a real world perspective, it was like when I was at Wake, you know, Coach Grove was on the verge of being fired uh, the year after 
I left. And so they were able to win that ACC championship. But it had gotten to a point where guys just weren't really trying to hear much of what the coaches had to say. We felt like that things weren't working. You know, we kept losing. And we were just like, you know, the coaches would say stuff to you. And you carried out your assignments and you went to the best of your ability. But in your mind, as far as believing uh, that the winning was going to come from what they were doing, there were times where you're just like, yeah, man, whatever. And that's not the type of environment that you want to be in. And so when you've got a head coach that commands the respect of the guys, guys believe in him and they know that he believes in you, it makes a hell of a difference, uh, especially when you're in a predicament like the Panthers are with a losing record. Uh, it can definitely help it to be easier. Yeah, and, and I when I say I don't know if I'm being naive, I go back to a quote from Brian Burns last year about Matt Rule when everyone was discussing how much they wanted him fired. Byrne said, quote, the fans, that's who he was referring to, nobody knows what's being said in the building, so for them to speak on it is ignorant. They don't play football. All they really comment on is what they see, but they don't know what all goes into this. But then you would hear afterwards, when Matt Rule was fired and going into this offseason, Wes, how many times did we hear, man, it's just so different. The vibes of training camp, just so different. Feels like a professionally run organization now because of the guy that came from college, tried to apply that same philosophy to the pros. It just didn't work out as much. So you could read behind the, you could read pretty easily. They were, they were directly telling you how different it was because of the coaching change. And they like Steve Wilkes too. And so I could see how there might be some bad blood towards Frank Reich, getting the job from Steve Wilkes, who also those players really respected. Even then they told you how much they like Frank Reich. So yeah, they're going to tell the public, what you need to hear so you don't continue to poke the bear, try to get the real information from the locker room. You know, it's a family in there. You know, it's a brotherhood. But they did say the same thing about Matt Rule. It feels different, though. It does feel like they really do love Frank Reich. And it also feels like Frank Reich is defending his players more so and doing it in the right way than what Matt Rule did last year. The problem that people had with Matt Rule is because Matt Rule wouldn't take accountability. We had Fiddy arguing that Frank Reich might be taking too much accountability when he would go to the podium and he would blame himself other than what David Tepper might be telling him. Thomas Brown, the players, anywhere, it's like he might be taking too much accountability. You know what? I'm okay with that from my head coach. If if there has to be a problem with every coach in the NFL, I'll choose the too much accountability problem for mine. Guys don't want to be thrown under the bus. Guys get... Uh, it can get defensive, man, and it can get personal when you've got a head coach that goes out there to the media and is constantly throwing players under the bus because players are then going to start pointing out your flaws and then meetings are going to get contentious and things of that nature. And also, too, you just it adds to the mix of what I talked about with just knowing that your coach cares about you. That matters a lot to players. They don't want to play for a guy that they just think could care less about them. It, it means all the more. It makes you want to go all the more harder. It makes you want them to be more successful when you have a coach that you know uh, is going to take the blame. And he may come into the locker room and have those conversations about you or with you about what you can do better in privacy. And I think a lot of guys respect that, especially at the NFL level. And so uh, I think for Reich, he's doing a whole lot in regards to having the locker room on his side. And that's so important, especially to, you know, when things aren't going your way, job security being discussed, it helps a lot when the player's on your side. And there are a couple of different examples. I keep going back to the Brian Burns saga because before they had played one single game, Frank Reich was telling you, 
We love Brian Burns. He's an excellent leader. He's an excellent player. We want him here. I want him here. I can't speak for everybody else, but I can tell you what my opinion is. And that guy is amazing. And you could have a coach in that situation, especially in the two practices that Burns was there, but he was not playing because he was a weird situation. You could say, guys, I appreciate the questions. I'm only here to talk about the players suiting up. We might raise an eyebrow over that, but we've heard that comment before. Frank Reich didn't take that route whatsoever. Wolfpack James writes in on the text line, almost sounds like they're saying what you want to hear. I I think what the media would like to hear is something juicy. I don't we don't want to hear just blah blah Always blah. Always here for the juice. Yeah. Like I it almost sounds like they're saying what you want to hear. I don't know if I would say that about the media. Maybe you would say that about they're saying what the coaches would want to hear, what the organization wants to hear. But as far as us trying to do our job, get what your true thoughts are on the situation. That's what I want to hear, your true thoughts. I don't want to hear something that ain't going to get any play at all on social media if that is your job or if that's what you're angling for. I want to hear what your true thoughts are, and then I want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about some status quo thing that you can copy and paste for every single question asked of you. So maybe I'm getting fooled again. That's That could be true. It does feel a little different. We asked Stephen Holder a couple of maybe even a month back. Stephen Holder actually joined Mac and Bone. You can check that interview out on WFNZ.com. Joined them earlier today. We had a chance to talk with the Colts insider turned NFL insider a month ago about whether the players really liked Frank Reich up in Indianapolis. Here's what he had to say. I think players really did love him. I, I think his style is definitely his style. There's no doubt about it. His first season in Indianapolis where you know they were rebuilding a little bit or they were at least retooling they did have andrew luck so that that makes the job a lot easier but they started one and five now what did happen though is they were playing hard and you could see that all right if we get some luck we could actually turn this around and so guys started to buy in even though they were one and five i mean whereas the the fan base was pretty much at that point kind of tuned out sound familiar fan base was pretty tuned out on this guy after an 0-6 start, and I don't blame him at all. An 0-6 start, that's not going to cut it, especially with the expectations. Not He should not be impervious to criticism. Not at all. But what you see is in 2018, he's getting guys to buy in after a 3-5 and record. They go 7-1 and after the bye, which is something that he's been very good at, undefeated after the bye. 2019, the only outlier in the situation, they start 5-3, and three, they finish 2-6 and six in the second half, but that was the Jacoby Brissett year. You go 2020, they start 5-3, and three, they go 6-2. and two. You look at 2021, they start 3-5 and five again, they go 6-3. and three. To me, I went in the locker room like you. I don't know, but on paper, to the radio host, to the novice, I would think it would be harder to get guys to buy in when you have a losing record the first eight games. And yet somehow, it's worked for Frank Reich three of the four years that he coached for the Colts before he got fired last season, and everything was terrible. But man, he even still got those guys to get up for a Chiefs game. Remember how close that Kansas City game was before he got fired? You're also talking about Jim Irsay forcing him to start Sam Ellinger over the guy that he wants to. That's why I've always been a little hesitant to go all in on how bad of a coach Frank Reich is. And it's why you said you would choose him over a guy like Shane Steichen coaching on the opposite side. There's no bigger sign of a team 
and their respect for their coach by playing hard. And a lot of people think, oh, they're pro athletes. They're getting a tick. They should always play hard. But listen, man, when those guys get out there, especially, too, when you look at those box scores and you see a team just getting blown out week after week after week and just not even close week after week, yeah, some of that is a little bit of quit. Some of that is a little bit of, yeah, I just gave up this play. I don't care, man. It's whatever. But when you see a team that's competing all the way to the end and and you're a bad football team record-wise, but you know and everybody in the league knows that you're a tough out week in and week out, that's the ultimate sign of respect of your coach and how they feel about him uh, in the locker room. In addition to wanting to play hard for themselves, but, you know, when you have a head coach, man, you just don't want to let him down, not one snap. No wonder if things no, – no, it doesn't matter if things are going good or if things are going bad. Now he's taking the CEO approach because he's given those offensive play-calling duties to Thomas Brown. Jero Avero has had him ever since he stepped foot into the organization. The Panthers decided to pay him a lot more because other teams were interested. He's letting Avero do his thing. Now he's letting Thomas Brown do his thing. They're one to know since the Thomas Brown duty handover. Now I wonder, too, with us going into this season, okay, is Averro going to move on because he was so coveted? Maybe even as a head coach this past offseason, he comes here as a defensive coordinator, but he's only going to be here on a one-year rental, and then he's going to move on. It just felt like that might even be inevitable. Because of the start they got off to, and I don't expect them to go undefeated in the second half of the season. That would be crazy. Not going to happen. But depending on where they finish, if they play better in the second half, then great. But is it a, a foregone conclusion, or is there as high of a likelihood as we thought coming into the season that a Vera was going to be gone and maybe even a Thomas Brown who got head coaching opportunities? Or do you think the likelihood goes up that – Hell, this whole staff is going to be back for the most part next yeah, year. Yeah, I think most of the staff is going to be back unless they go on a crazy run and just the defense just is stifling the rest of the way through. But I think right now, Vero, he's going to need a little bit more seasoning. He's going to need a little bit more of those gaudy superlatives to add to his resume, i.e. a top 10 to 12 at minimum uh, type of defense. And so this year, the goal for him was to turn – uh, you know, nothing into something. And this was an okay defense last year at best. And so he wanted to take them into the upper echelon. That hasn't happened. And so, yeah, that's not going to make teams want to clamor to make him a head coach. Yeah, I mean, the, the fact that Averro, you are in that sweet spot, right? I mean, the, there might be other names that get more of the attention. It's not like he's, you know, <laughs> hiding in a tunnel below ground somewhere. Everybody knows Averro. Everybody knows what he can do, but you might be in that sweet spot to where the defense doesn't go crazy this year. Still good enough navigating the injuries that he had to for the most part. Now you got guys coming back. I know we got a couple of players on the injury report, but it didn't seem like there was anything too crazy serious. So if this team is getting healthier and you go back to the way that they were playing at the beginning of the season. We saw them play well against a Houston offense that had been moving the football, even if you're not stopping the run. They certainly stopped C.J. Stroud from going crazy, which is something in its own right. Yeah, man, if this coaching staff comes back, you build off the first season. Now we don't have to go through all this change like we have. I mean, think about the lack of stability with this team. So big. It is. I especially for a young QB, which is why I was a little concerned when they decided to hand play calling duties to Thomas Brown. But it made sense if 
Thomas had already given his input on the game plan and you had the bye week to hand the reins over. So, okay, if you were going to do it, the bye week was that time. But now if you have continuity where you know who your defensive play caller is going to be, you know who's going to be the offensive coordinator, the head coach knows everybody's strengths and weaknesses, Scott Fitterer might be the one change. You're going to have to bring in somebody that wants Frank Reich to be their head coach, and maybe it doesn't change. I don't know. But this does seem to be a year where you can have continuity going into the next season. Yeah, and that's going to be tremendous, especially when you are talking about a rookie quarterback, and that's so key. You don't want to be that rookie that just goes through a coordinator every year and having to learn a new offense. And the same thing with defense too, man. And this team – I think that could end up being a plus at the end of the day that things didn't work out. Obviously, you don't want to have a horrible record. That's not on the agenda to start the season, but it could breed the continuity for these guys where they could come back, learn what they did wrong and right and all of those things that you're going to do in the offseason and be able to come back with a plan with some tweaks at some key positions and then be able to get off the ground running next year. I really hope they don't lay an egg against the Colts because we've been feeling awfully good. (laughs) (laughs) We had a playoff segment earlier, and we didn't destroy Fitty for putting that in the rundown. We did not. By the end, we were like, wait, I do see the light at the end. I do. Fitty, I don't know how you did it, but you made us do it. You know, what's funny was I, I told Mac about it this morning. I said, Mac, did you did you happen to hear our playoff segment? He goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> no. If Mac yeah. says that's too crazy, then we do need to look at ourselves a little more. After five minutes of like a brief outline of how I think they could enter the playoff discussion, he was like, oh, yeah, I kind of see it. So, was it a sympathy, oh, yeah? Oh, no. Was no. it a homer? We're starting to get Mac on board. Oh, no. They they win Sunday. Playoff Mac will be out in full force like that belly button was on Monday. <laughs> that is in full force. <laughs> Never have I heard his belly button described more accurately than out in full force. Did you hear Wes's sympathy playoff laugh at us over there, by the way? It did sound like a sympathy playoff Is that playoff what that laugh. was? <laughs> you tell me. It sounded like it. <laughs> like the, um, mm-hmm. Is that, I, mean, I don't know if I've done that in a while. Yeah, you have. I've heard it. I just didn't point it you out. You just don't. When's the last time? Do you remember? Uh, Yesterday. It was yesterday. Yeah, somebody said something and you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm going to start calling out the Roadrunner laugh. Beep, beep. Because <laughs> I just want to scoot on by. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I've never noticed this from you. Well, we had, Wes called it out one time. I just don't know how many other times I've done it <laughs> since then. But if he's saying I did it yesterday... It would be fun to try to go back and find it. (laughs) It, It's I really what I think is happening. I don't mean to be disrespectful with it. I think I just am having my head where I want to move on. Yeah, you don't do it on air like that at all. You do it. Yeah, you do it like on break. So when we're just talking and stuff, and somebody (laughs) come in and say something, and then you'll do it. Well, that's what's happening because I'm getting ready for the next segment, and and (laughs) you're working hard. That's that's what happens. So I'm sure I do that. Yeah, that sounds like it. My girlfriend tells me that I say, there you go, when I want to move on. And she says that's a little Oh, yeah, women are the best at bringing up the stuff you do when you don't want to talk. Boy. I wouldn't know. If you don't give them the answer they want to hear, they're going to say, you always say this, that, third, because mine is, uh, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's what I say. Yeah, everybody's got that thing <laughs> where it's like, I'm listening. It's the, whoa, that's crazy. They hit you with a bunch of different stuff and you don't necessarily feel like talking about it. You're like, we'll figure it out, baby. The problem is exposing myself because now I'm saying, there you go. People are going to call me out now on it. And yeah, I, I'm you know, okay. Walker didn't really listen. We know. There you go. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> One more segment to go before we get to the walk off and the week that was. 
College football, team with the most to gain Saturday, team with the most to lose. We attempt to answer both of those questions and more coming up on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Like we left the keys, this is the Weston Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Great college football action this weekend. Panthers and Colts, a lot going on, so let's get to it. Let's talk about some college football. Tons of games of local interest per usual. We talked about Clemson and Notre Dame uh, earlier, and I said I'm riding with the Tigers. Walker said he is rolling with the Fighting Irish. Fitty, did you uh, what? What did you think about that game again? What was your selection? I said Clemson. I think wins an ugly game, like twenty-one seventeen. So they're gonna bring their own guts, huh? <laughs> and they're gonna have a pizza party up there in Little Old Clemson. All right, Got so, a lot of people texting that in BYOG with the Notre Dame game coming up. That's right. That was a huge moment in Clemson's climb. I mean, that Double. would have to be a top five moment at minimum in Clemson's climb, man, because that was huge. That was one of those moments, man, where you just knew the Tigers were on to something. That was the game, in my opinion. Like, that started it all, right? Like, their ascension to becoming, for a brief time, maybe the standard program in college football? That was a little bit. Yeah. That was... I wouldn't necessarily say it was that game. I'd have to think about it a little bit more, but I'm, you know, like Fitty said, when I think about integral moments in that program's history and their ascension to being a national power... I mean, that was right up there, man. I, I can't think of many bigger moments than that. Well, the soundbite is great, too. Yes. The soundbite is it's fantastic from Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, I mean, it's either that game or, you know, if you go back to Taj Boyd, when they beat LSU in the Chick-fil-A Bowl and they converted that fourth and 16, that's the one they'll always reference was the start. We'll go through the rapid-fire questions. The Taj Boyd thing is always interesting because Taj Boyd is a very good ACC QB. Love him. My mind goes post-Taj Boyd when we think of Clemson like that. Mm -hmm. I don't think about Taj as the launching pad for what we see. That's not how I view him. As much as he is a really good college QB, I don't view that era as the this is when Clemson really started wrecking shop. Wow. That was like, you know, laying the groundwork. And a lot of people, you know, would tell us, the guys when we would come back the wake before – uh, after the ACC championship, they would be like, well, you were the guys that laid the groundwork so you guys can lay claim just as much to uh, anything as anybody. And so I feel like the same way with those Taj Boy teams. I think that they can lay as much stake into that as anybody because they were the genesis. They were the guys that kept Dabo in that position to be able to do it because you remember, not a lot of people thought Dabo was going to do a good job. A lot of people didn't want him to get the job, as he said on the phone call. So if it wasn't for Taj Boyd and that offense and those guys that they had, the Shaq Lawsons and all of that crew, uh, Dabo doesn't stay in Clemson very long. So if you look at 2012 when the winning went from ten a 10-4 record is a really good season, but it's not it's not like special. Yes, perfect. It's not it's not a special season at that point. 
you know what I'm saying? Then you go from 10-4 to 11-2. Now we're starting to get into some pretty elite company. And Taj Boyd was still there. 2013, that's when you win the Orange Bowl. The Chick-fil-A Bowl was won the year prior. You win the Orange Bowl in 2013, and then you move on from Taj Boyd being, oh, no, Taj Boyd was still there that year. Yeah. So three straight double-digit win seasons, two ACC titles, two New Year's Six Bowl games, and a Chick-fil-A Bowl win. So I don't, so whether I think about that way or not, I'm wrong. Like, I do think Taj was the launching pad for that. It's just not what I think of, though. Like, I go to Deshaun immediately, and then I go to Trevor Lawrence while thinking, oh, Taj was really good, man. He was an awesome QB, but I don't think about him ushering in the dominant Clemson era like he did. I just move on from him, and I apologize. That's disrespect. If you want to, no Adam Thielen, no CJ Stroud. If you want to call me out for being disrespectful for Taj Boyd, I'll, I'll, I'll welcome that. Yeah, and the thing is, is that when Taj Boyd was there doing his thing, you thought that, like I said, Clemson was a program that I always thought of that was going to be when they had veterans and when they had the right group of guys that they could win 10 games, get to maybe a New Year's Day bowl or a game after that that wasn't for a national championship. And you're like, okay, they're going to go down the next couple of years and win six or seven games. And so that's what you thought. And so when Taj and the crew was there, it rocked you to sleep. You're like, all right, you know, Clemson, these guys are seasoned, and this is all culminating in this. And then Deshaun comes, and then Trevor comes, and these guys are elite college football quarterbacks. And in his own right, I mean, Taj Boyd is fifth all-time in ACC history in total yards. He was a dominant football player. He just had a rep for losing the big game. That that was when Clemsoning was at its height because Clemson would have you thinking that they could get to those heights and then they would fail, but then Deshaun and Trevor took it to the next level. A little too much Cole Stout in there as well. And then finally, we would he would hold on at the back end of Taj Boyd's career, and then it's like, is Deshaun And then he started a little bit, yeah. but then remember Deshaun came in and was looking like he was going to take that job because remember the famous Superman play he had his freshman yeah. year where he leapt over the guy, but then the knee goes for him. He tears that ACL in that freshman year. And then he had to come back. So now when we look at this Saturday and the slate of games locally, just to give people a rundown of what you got, you got Notre Dame at Clemson, Campbell at North Carolina. That's a huge one down there in Chapel Hill. Miami at North Carolina State, Florida State at Pitt, Western Carolina at Wofford, Charlotte at Tulsa, Marshall at Appalachian State. And then for a little bonus, we talked about Virginia Tech at Louisville because that's a huge game. Virginia Tech has won their last two football games going in there to the veal. And so what's the team that you feel like has the most to gain on Saturday? I think it, I think it comes from that NC state Miami game. Mm. Can I pick the winner of that game rather than pick the Wolfpack or Miami? Because I think both have their case here. Miami needs to stop the bleeding. And I know they had their last win. I know they beat Georgia tech, but Tyler Van Dyke has not been nearly as good as he was at the beginning. And I know he got hurt banged up, but he's still turning the ball over a little too much. So can Miami get back on track and then can NC state continue the winning ways? This is going to take place at Carter Finley after Dave Doran is talking that cash calling out Steve Smitty <laughs> like, okay, you know, if we're not ready for basketball season, not that you're a basketball school, but if we're not ready for basketball season and we want to see you continue this football season, then at home against Miami while they're reeling is too strong because they just won, but certainly not ranked anymore like they used to be. 
So this is a game that NC State can capitalize on. I just think the the most to gain could be had from that game right there at 8 p.m. on the ACC Network. I'm going to jump into that bandwagon with you as well because when you look at the standings, if Virginia Tech is somehow able to knock off Louisville, then that's going to be huge in terms of ACC conference play. Now, Virginia Tech would automatically vault themselves into the second position in the ACC standings, and I don't think Virginia Tech's going to run the table for the rest of the year. But you're talking about two two two-loss teams in the ACC, and so for Miami and NC State, this is going to be huge because you still have that glimmer of hope, the winner of this football game, that you still have that chance to get into the ACC championship game if some if you get some help. But if you lose this game, I mean, you're essentially done. It's going to be hard to make up two conference games down the stretch with four games left. How much should Clemson be in this conversation with most of game? Uh, not much. I mean, they're two and four in the ACC, man. It's pretty much done. This, this is for pride, program pride at this point. If you come out and beat Notre Dame, and this is maybe to springboard you or one of the springboards to next season where you can say on the docket of positive things that you've done that we did knock off a number 15 team. It it does feel like it just gets that much worse though. If they lose to Notre Dame, even if they are a team that's not in the top 15, like the fighting Irish, is it because is anybody really expecting them to win this game outside of Clemson fans? I mean, I know some people, I know Vegas inside. I know Wes Bryant does, but as far as just when you look at it, is it that big of a letdown if they lose to Notre Dame, all things considered a 4-4 four and four football team going up against the number 15 team in the country? Well, if you lose against Miami on the road and then you lose against NC State, then a game against Notre Dame might be able to attempt to balance the scales there. And when you have only four wins and Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, South Carolina are all up next, I think a Notre Dame win would help you feel a lot easier about getting to a bowl game at that point. So at that, if if you lose to Notre Dame, especially if it gets ugly, then you got three games left to win two. You lost to South Carolina last year. North Carolina, I know, we know they have every possibility of losing. But we do know North Carolina's offense, at least, is still very good. It's not like Clemson's offense is lighting it up despite North Carolina's defense reeling right now. I think it is safe to say they're absolutely reeling. It, I think it would ease a lot of Clemson fans. I get your point. I, I'm with you. I agree with you with the NC State Miami take. But yeah, man, I just think if Clemson did win that game, it would certainly help Dabo and uh, you know get Ty- all the Tylers in the world off his back. Now, something to watch in this game, and not that we are Vegas insiders by any stretch, but... Uh, Notre Dame is only a three-point favorite in this game, and the over-under is 44.5 points. That sounds like a defensive game uh, in my book, and that's a small spread for a number 15 team going up against a 4-4 four and four football team. Normally, you would see this in the double digits, 10 points or better. So, Baker's showing a little bit of respect to the Tigers. So, now moving on, who is the team with the most to lose this weekend? I think it's Louisville. If we think Virginia Tech has a chance to upset Louisville. We know what they're playing for right now. They lost to Pittsburgh. They had a big win, 23 to nothing over Duke, holding them scoreless. That was a a real big win. Here they are at home against Virginia Tech. And so this could be a potential letdown game. In fact, you're talking about Virginia Tech and Virginia back-to-back. We know what Virginia can do, especially even after that where they went to overtime with Miami. So you can't overlook any one of these opponents. I think they learned their lesson 
losing to Pittsburgh and then bouncing back with a strong performance against Duke. But if Louisville loses this one, then I, they don't have the type of power over the conference that they would if they were able to get the victory. I think it's Louisville with the most to lose. Uh, when you look at this, I mean, no doubt in my opinion, it's Florida State. Uh, when you look at this football game they got coming up against Pitt, and yes, Pitt got annihilated this weekend by Notre Dame, no question about it. But they still have one of the big upsets in the ACC. They kind of set off the dominoes this week. Uh, oh, not this week, but they set off the dominoes when they were able to upset Louisville at home. And so to get Florida State at home, I mean, I fully expect Florida State to win this football game. But I saw Pat Narduzzi come out, send an apology to the Pitt fans um, on Twitter this week after they got beaten so badly this season and beaten so badly by Notre Dame. And I just feel like for whatever reason, he may be able to fire them up after getting embarrassed so bad. You know, a lot of sports teams after they are – just obliterated that they normally come out and buck up, so to speak, and play much, much harder, much, much more focused the next week. So it will be Florida State in a weird game. As I've said, the ACC has just been crazy the last three weeks with upsets. So I would go with that, and even I would, though I don't feel great about it. Well, I mean, technically, Florida State has to be the answer every week here on out because they, yeah. they have the most to lose mm-hmm. because they have the most on the line. You're talking about an ACC team in the top four where the way that the season has unfolded, it's not like they're going to get a lot more respect. So I think technically you're right. It's going to be Florida State this week. It's going to be them next week, so on and so forth, because you're talking about a college football playoff chance on the line with Washington and Oregon right behind you. But if we're going realistic, I that's just in the eye of the beholder. How realistic is it? Because I'm going more so with, yeah, I could see Virginia Tech beating Louisville. With Pitt and Florida State, I mean, yeah, they they won the first game against Wofford. They beat Louisville thirty-eight to twenty-one. <laughs> yeah. Then they lost to Wake Forest, and then they lost fifty-eight to seven on the road. Mm-hmm. But they lost fifty-eight to seven against Notre Dame. How realistic are those chances? Well, the thing is, Florida State likes to play with their food sometimes, so to speak. I mean, this is a team that beat Boston College 31 to 29. Virginia Tech was within a score of them in their matchup uh, earlier this season as well. And then when you talk about uh, the the Duke matchup after Duke doesn't go for it, uh, uh, after they do go for it, and then Riley Leonard goes out of that football game, but Duke was uh, the number 16 team at that point. And then even against Wake Forest, it felt like they took their foot off the gas, even though the starters were still in the game. So that's the only thing of Florida State, man. Pitt just has a tendency to have teams come in, and, and it's just one of those weird games, man, where you turn on the TV and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? Florida State's only up one score in the second half. So that's all I'm trying to point out here is that Florida State can sometimes play with their food and they can come back to bite you. But, you know, I expect them to go in there and take care of business. That would be a worse loss than North Carolina oh, God, against Virginia? No, I, I don't know. Yeah, oh, is uh, it? What would be a worse loss there? Yeah, no, nah, that would be. That would, that, would, that would definitely take the cake. I mean, Pitt has been a very, very respectable program this season but uh if they were to be able at two and six to knock off the number four team in the country i mean they're break they're breaking into every game that's that. a little that's a little too acc even for the acc <laughs> too acc i would ACC. think so um so now the biggest upset alert i guess we talked about that and so uh fitty did you have some games that were on your mind as far as most the game most to lose upset alerts just throw all your thoughts at us. Yeah, I mean, I was going to try to be funny and make the Tar Heels as a team with the most to gain this weekend. 
just to, just to be that guy and really rattle NC State fans. There is a there is a scenario where like if they were to win and Louisville was to get beat, maybe it does just re reinvigorate them to have hopes to get to an ACC title game. Because I don't know if that locker room they believe that's gonna be that's gonna be attainable. There's no doubt the team with the most pressure moving forward is Florida State. And it's going to be interesting to see if the program has gotten to a level where they're ready for that pressure week in, week out. All right, Fitty. Well, uh, staying over there with you, it's time for the last flash of the day. Let's get it. Fitty. And talk about... Well, it's hopefully a, a fun weekend of basketball for the Hornets. Two more road games on this road trip that don't count towards the NBA's in-season tournament, which everybody in the basketball community is excited that officially gets underway tonight on ESPN Walker. They're at the Pacers, who just gave up 155 to the Celtics. That's crazy. Oh, then, the, the defense has been <laughs> And then they're at the Mavericks on Sunday, so a chance to see Luka, who's just doing Luka stuff to start the season. Is 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 one and one, even asking too much this weekend for the Bucks. Oh, it's not asking too much, but I would be happy with it. <laughs> yeah, it, it better not be too much. I mean, you got to get, you got to go in there and handle business against Indiana. But I will say my expectations are low. Well, I mean, the Pacers—they've <laughs> been scoring a lot too, though. They scored 140, although it was against Washington. Cleveland is a tough matchup, and they scored 125 against them. They've been limited the last two games against Chicago and Boston on the road there. So they have a game, uh, I believe, tonight Yeah, against Cleveland once again. We'll see what they do. At least you're catching them on the second night of a back-to-back. That would bode well for the Charlotte Hornets, who have had a little bit of a break here. Then they play the Mavs on the second night of a back-to-back. That's the scenario. Exactly what Wes painted right there. Can you get the win against the Pacers? Might be tired, even though it's at the beginning of the season, so probably not as much despite them being younger. It's just, can the defense hold the Pacers below 130? <laughs> I mean, dead last in the NBA in defensive rating are the Indiana Pacers. So the Hornets, you got to get that done. Come on, give us something. But when we return on the Wesson Walker Show, we close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And then he'll have to wait probably 150 days, something like that, before you play this thing again. I like Smoke's version when he plays this one. Smoke says disparaging remarks that rhyme with this uh, beat. I don't know what you're talking about. Same. (laughs) Smoke came in here one day and he was uh, saying stuff when we were sitting in here and he was going along with the beat and saying bad stuff about the Mets to this track. 
I don't. And it's pretty funny. Don't remember that. Yeah, honestly. me neither. Yeah, I don't know why I don't remember that. I apologize, Smoke. I'm sure it was funny. Smoke, <laughs> just a pretty funny guy in general. But yeah, we're going to have to wait a while. This is the last time you're playing Narco. I always get it. Is it the show, Narcos, the beat? Yeah, oh, what a it's, great show. It's Narco. Unless, I, uh, full disclosure, if the Mets land Otani, well, I will play it the entire rejoin that day of the show while <laughs> while being in the nude. Because if if they if they get Otani, we I'm gonna celebrate like I won a championship. How many times have we threatened to get naked on this show? You and I quite a bit. I don't think Wes has ever threatened to take his clothes off. I think you need to stop saying you and I and quite a bit. Because that's not true. <laughs> I might have said that with the chances of getting Victor Wembanyama. <laughs> that's the time that I can remember saying anything about me. Even though we're about to play a soundbite of me stripping. <laughs> that's the only time that I've ever said that I might get naked is if the Hornets were able to land Victor Wembanyama. But this quite a bit stuff, that's all you. And I don't want you to bring me <laughs> alongside you. I don't know. I've got soundbites of you saying how you wash your body. So, I mean, that was in reference <laughs> to someone being naked. Yeah, we had a big old target conversation about what kind of shampoo we, we get. We definitely and, did. And then we talked about you washing your body, and yeah, that was another naked conversation we had. I got this. You put on sunscreen while in the nude. We okay. talk about being naked on the show a lot. That was a willy. He, there he goes with we again. There he goes with we. <laughs> well, I really don't think we do. He's I great think at it, too, man, because Fitty sneaks stuff in the conversations better than mm -hmm. anybody I've ever met, probably. Well, yeah, and then, and so he'll he'll sneak something in the conversation, but then he tried that mess earlier, or last week, when he tried to say, I said, NC State has a better basketball tradition than Indiana, and he was yelling and spewing and grabbing the mic <laughs> and looking red like Don LaGreca, and he was saying, oh, you think NC State has a better basketball tradition, when you heard me, you heard me say I the did. exact opposite, but what are you going to do? He's incontrollable, <laughs> he lies, but he's ours, and we bring him along the way. Time now for the week that was on Wesson Walker. <sighs> More stripping. The best part is this one is 100% you. Last week was a first in the history of the show where we brought back a highlight from the same show. But it's so legendary, and I want Walker to remember what it's like in the good times of being a Charlotte sports fan. Because ahead of the Charlotte-Florida Atlantic game where the Nines would go on to lose by 22 points, <laughs> our man unveiled that he had his Biff Pogey uh, tank top on. Also, you're talking about your alma mater. I know, Fitty, yeah, and the one game we haven't talked about yet, it's the Charlotte game. Tonight, they take on FAU. And Fitty asked me where my cutoff was. I told him I left it at home. Yeah. Clown I, show. But what if I tell you I didn't? Oh. No, no, you're not that smooth. What <laughs> if I tell you that I'm wearing it right now? Get ready to tailgate at 430. Let's go. Let's go 49ers. Get off the podium. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We look Let's good. go. Hold on. One of the best ever. My man hit it all morning. <laughs> Let's go. Them owls don't know what's about to come to them. <laughs> We're going to tailgate at 430. That might be number one. 
That might be the number one moment on this show so far. It's just funny that I immediately went to the tailgate rather than the kickoff. Yeah. I, that's all I cared about. We're going to tailgate at 430, smoking on that Al pack. <laughs> Let me tell you, I didn't smoke on anything in that game. <laughs> 49ers didn't, but the Owls, they sure, certainly smoked on that Niner pack. They definitely did. Gold uh, and green flavor. Come on, Biff. Get us right, my man. Please. Got Tulsa this weekend. Come on. Hurricanes. Golden Hurricanes. Mm. Who's the real gold? I wanted to give them a little bit of credit, man, but just watching that offense, I just can't force myself to pick them hardly ever. Save yourself. <laughs> Save yourself. <laughs> what else you got, Fiddy? All right, we also go back to last week's show because y'all had one of your more inspired arguments during the top ten. And that led me to pose a question about how we would rank the players moving forward. And it maybe gave us the best show drop we have on the show. What you got, Fiddy? You gave me the authority yesterday to blow the whistle and call fouls. Not <laughs> calling a foul line here. Heartstopper Harley maybe with the great thing we do moving forward for the legendary top ten. Mm-hmm. Let's exclude the quarterback. No, hell no. <laughs> That's what... <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, Wes. I mean, I'm glad to know you were open to that idea. Yeah, I thought no, it would he, make it for more right, interesting. Maybe think about it. No. You know, uh, nope. Wes was like, yeah. "Nope." <laughs> no, hell no. It's a good reaction from Fitty. Okay, thanks for thinking about that. I appreciate it. <laughs> Tried to play the show on air. Sometimes when people aren't down for it, then you get exposed too. So yeah, that didn't that didn't happen. And this week, Bryce Young shows up in the top ten, not for the first time. But the first time, the highest he's ever been, number seven, after that win against Houston. So, QB still included. What else you got, Fiddy? All right, the last the last uh, moment from the, the, this week, we brought in our good friend from down the hall, DJ Ace, to help us put together the best wedding playlist because he's a DJ. And uh, he gave a must-play song, and in the process, old people cut strays at y'all's expense. Yeah. <laughs> from Lil John Get Low. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. You definitely got to play Luther Vandross. This where it was mine. Got to play that. Uh, and this probably going to make y'all look at me sideways, but uh, you got to play Uncle Luke, Doodle Brown. Like, okay. nothing, nothing gets a wedding more wow. ratchet. <laughs> like, what type of weddings you doing? All kinds. <laughs> All kinds for the fans. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, Luther Vandross, I could actually see. But I didn't. Oh. Yeah, Luther Vandross. How many people are dancing to it? I mean, that, that Luke, though, that's going to get the old heads on the floor for sure. They're going to have a flashback. Yeah, even if they can't dance like that. Out of your yeah, even, yeah, even if they can't dance like that anymore, they're going to have those memories going of where they were when I they first heard that this song. I used to do that in 93 with this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> we used to lift the leg up like this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, ah, hold on. Where my icy hot? When. We got to get DJ Ace in the studio like more often because y'all three, I can just sit back and let y'all three just just clown and it's a lot of fun to watch. Is that the Josh Fitty Marlowe trying to pass out? You ain't lying about time? that. Wow. That well, must have been the segment of the century. I guess everybody can grow, you know? I'm proud of you, Fitty. I'm proud of you. That was, hmm. that was growth by you. Now I just need to... Re- uh, Steve, Steve Stifler back there. <laughs> How did that come up with it? He said they call himself the Fitmeister. Yeah. <laughs> You're so right. It does remind me of the Stiffmeister. Oh, Fitmeister. When he said that, Wes was like, that's a nickname that shouldn't stick. <laughs> no, not not needing to do that. 
All right, that'll do it for Weston Walker with the uh, at least doing the week that was highlights. A couple from last week, and we got one with our boy DJ Ace hopping on the mic. Let's pick the Panther game. Colts, Panthers matchup. Fitty, you and I went Carolina. We got it done. Yeah. We actually got our first win. I don't think you went with Carolina, right, Wes? I think you uh definitely trying to set this thing up to be more epic than it should be, but I like it. It's radio. Let's do it. Because of the injuries on the Colts, because the Panthers can attack them, uh, I'm going to go with the Panthers in this game, man. That offensive line, I'm very worried about it, but this coach defense is depleted by injuries. Uh, they don't defend very well regardless, and so uh, I think the Panthers can perhaps find a way to get this done. <laughs> Just throw a wet blanket on any possible thing. Hey, you didn't pick the Panthers. You're going to try to make it more epic. Stop it. I'm picking the Panthers. <laughs> he tried to stop that. He smashed the the smashed the glass case for the fire extinguisher, and boom! I mean, our chemistry is getting crazy. I I, I knew what you were doing there. Well, I mean, but you, you, you were the wet blanket. I you did. stopped it. I All did. right. Well, picking the Panthers. Crazy like a fox. Who are you picking, Fitty? I've got the Panthers at home as well. I can't be the guy that starts a playoff conversation and in the same week pick them to lose at home to uh, a quarterback with a porn mustache. Give me the Panthers 21-17. Finds a way, doesn't he? I'm going with Panther West. Oh. <laughs> I'm picking Carolina. <laughs> Let's make it a clean sweep right here on Wesson Walker, which is not a good idea. Usually when you get the graphic of the entire show <laughs> picking one right. team, it always goes the other way. But we don't have any graphics. This is an audible medium. So you have no evidence. Of the now source. the Colts have gone up 27 to nothing in the first quarter. You can't screenshot this. Maybe you can <laughs> screen record. That's possible. But you can't screenshot this. And for that, we should be okay. Go Panthers. Wes is on board. He's a fan. And we'll take that into the weekend. Thanks for joining us on Wes and Walker. We'll kick it off now to Kyle Bailey alongside Smoke Ludwig. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.